coming out to church today. And we'd like to special shout out to our online family. Um, we're so thankful that you, you, you join with us. Um, got a great day ahead. Uh, a, a couple things for, for you folks that are in the building here. Why, we're still waiting on our TVs to have words for the songs, the lyrics. Uh, but those words were emailed to you this morning. So if you got your phone with, you can have the words on, uh, uh, on your phone. Or you probably were offered a, a, a lyric sheet when you came in too. Now you people online, good news for you. You don't have words today, but next week you will. Our computer that does that is coming during the week. So, uh, man, a special day today. It's our 244th birthday of America. And, yeah. Well, you know, personally, I am so thankful to live in America. You know, the special thing about our nation is we are the only nation in history that chose God. You know, God chose Israel, but America chose God, and he will never forget that. I mean, it's been our greatest priority over our 244 years. The one thing we've done consistently is spread the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ around the world. God will never forget that either. So, I mean, if, if you live in America today uh, and you think some things are wrong, you know, I, I've lived here 65 years and things have continually gotten better. Yeah. If, if there's something here that's wrong, it's going to get fixed and fixed fast. That's the way our history has been. So our greatest days are ahead. Amen. And for, for any, anybody that doesn't like America, an enemy, man, you're fighting against God. So, I mean, uh, you might as well give up now. But we're going to have a great day today. We're here to celebrate our relationship with God. So would you join us in worship? Would you stand? We're going to have some great worship. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Well, Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place, God. Hallelujah. God, we lift our eyes to you. Hallelujah. God, we have hearts with thanksgiving, Lord God. Gratitude, God. Your blessings are so much, God, pouring on us, God. Praise you, God. So as we praise God, Lord, let it be a sweet sound in your ear, God. Thank you, Lord. God, be blessed by praise. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your
this place. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this place. Lord. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome in this place. Just sing that to Jesus. You're welcome in this place. 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 Have your way, Lord. So have your
of worship right now we're going to receive communion together so what we're going to do here um, in the building is um, we got four tables uh, two in front and two in the middle on the sides so just start making your way from the aisle to the tables uh, if you're in the back you can uh, make your way to those tables you can receive your elements in the bowl for you folks that are that are watching online if you got some food and beverage available to you, why well, you can use that for your communion elements. It's, it's what they represent. It's not the it's not the sacredness of the actual elements. You know this really this taking communion is the most uh, intimate thing we do together as a church family. And man, I just, I just would like to let you guys know um, how thankful I am to be a part of this family. I love you people here. So, well, it looks like everybody in the building has their elements. You know, um, when Jesus had communion with his disciples, he made this statement. He said, do this often in remembrance of me. And, you know, what they were doing was taking... Um, the having the covenant meal together um, to begin the new the new covenant and you know what that has to do with Jesus he is the new covenant and so we're remembering Jesus when we do this but in that terms that he is the new covenant you know in the old covenant 
why that, that covenant was between God and people. And the, and the thing is, though, the people would always break the covenant. And you know, when you keep a covenant, why, there's a great blessing. But when you break a covenant, why, then, then the curse comes with the breaking of the covenant. And so, so, so God's people were struggling with this curse all the time. And, and, and God didn't want that. He wanted them to be perpetually blessed. So he sent Jesus. And, and what Jesus did is uh, he took that curse on himself when he was crucified. And, you know, people had broken the covenant, the old covenant, so much that, that, that our identity was actually with the curse. So when he is taking the curse on himself when he is crucified, he's actually taking our identity on himself. But then when he rose again from the dead, why, why he gave us his identity. We've been made the very righteousness of God. See, and that, that identity exchange is the thing. So now this new covenant is between God and Jesus. So it'll never be broken. Neither one of them will ever be broken, will ever break that covenant. And but where we come in is that we are in Christ. Our identity is in Christ. I mean, that's what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians. He says, if if someone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. That old identity and the curse is passed away because Jesus took care of that. And then all things are made new where we received a new identity so we can live in a perpetual blessing because now we're the very righteousness of God when we maintain our identity in Jesus Christ. You know, that's why in, you know, over in Hebrews, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, receive mercy in the things we request from God because when we come, God sees Jesus coming with our face on him. I mean, is it, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This is an amazing covenant that we're celebrating. You know, Jesus was so adamant about this, he, he, he preached a sermon about it in John 6. And it was all based on this one statement. He said to a very large group of people, he said, you know, the truth is, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And he wasn't creating a doctrine. He was telling people that unless they identified with him, unless they received his identity, that's what this new covenant was going to be about. You know, so, so, so what does that mean for us practically every day? Well, well, it means like this. I mean, can you imagine the resurrected Jesus saying something like, well, you know, I'm just not hearing God right now. I just don't feel very close to God. No, I, I can't imagine that anymore. I can imagine you and me saying that because we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have our identity in him. Or, or you know, can you imagine the resurrected Jesus saying something like, well, you know, I, I, I just don't know the more money I make, the more bills I have, I just keep falling behind, I live in perpetual lack. I can't imagine that any more than I can imagine you or me saying that when God has given us the opportunity to live in the perpetual blessing and favor of God. Or, or, or can you imagine Jesus, the resurrected Jesus saying, well, man, things are, this, my cancer is draining the very life out of me. What am I gonna do? I can't imagine that. His very name is healing. In fact, and, and so I can't imagine him saying that any more than I can imagine you or me saying that because that's the great thing about this new covenant. Every promise of God has already been done. It's a fact, a guarantee there for us to take. So, uh, so, so, so let's today, we'll do just like what Jesus said. As we do this, we're just confirming that our identity is in Christ. This, this wafer here that you got, this represents 
or if you're watching online, whatever you got to eat, this, or this represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for you and I taking the curse, our old identity on himself when he was crucified. Let's eat this together. And this juice here we have, your beverage online, this represents the blood of Jesus Christ by which he purchased our new identity, us being a joint heir with him, with his blood. And this blood guarantees that just like I said, what you read in the word right now in the new covenant is not a promise, it's a finished thing, a fact, a guarantee that we have it. Let's drink this together as we remember that. Well, we're going to continue to worship here. Once again, if you, if you came in late, why, you got an email with the lyrics for the songs on. But join again in worship.
the account of, the, uh, of the, the covenant supper for the new covenant Jesus had with his disciples uh, and John, John 13 through 17, when they got done um, eating and drinking while they sang together the 136th Psalm, but for the Lord he is good and his mercy endures forever. But for the Lord he is good, his mercy endures forever. You know, that's just what we got done singing right here. And you know, they were less than four four days preceding the greatest victory in the history of the world. Right there, when Jesus rose from the dead, why victory for anyone that would identify with him is guaranteed. And, and I'm just speaking that over you folks right here. Some of you are dealing with circumstances and things that you don't like, but you keep that identity in your mind that you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You could be that close to your total victory in that thing. I tell you, the, the end of the story is already written if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. And it could be that close. Well, boy, thank you so much for coming to church today. Would you greet everybody as we, as we move on here?
Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the 4th of July celebration. Amen. God's good. Are you glad you're in church today? It's great to be alive. It's great to be in America. Thank God for our nation. Amen. I'm pro-America. I've been to a lot of different countries. And if you're not pro-America, you should go to another country and visit. You'll come back. You'll like this country. Amen. It's awesome. And uh, I, I'm going to receive the offering at this time. So if the ushers could please help me. If you're giving uh, cash, would like a receipt, just slip your hands up. Aren't these chairs are a little bit hard to get used to, huh? A little bit different. Not too bad. You can kind of see each other. I wonder what they're doing over there. You know, it's kind of like that kind of a situation. But it's, uh, it's good. Anyways, uh, look, it gives you an opportunity to look across at somebody and go, hey, man, how's it going? But um, I want to just receive our offering today. So if you're making out a check, you can make it out to Destiny Church. And I think there's a, well, we're, in a, we're a work in progress here. The televisions haven't come. But you can see there are going to be TVs up here and, and so on and so forth. So it's going to be a really a prestigious type thing. It's going to be awesome. But right now we're kind of working through that. And so, um, but uh, there's also other ways you can give, but I don't know what they are. But anyways, so let's take our offering to hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, thank you that we can give. Thank you for loving us and blessing us in so many different ways. Lord, we're just so grateful to you. Uh, we just want you to know how thankful we really are and how wonderful you've been to us. And we just thank you for that. And you've blessed us financially. We just say over our finances that every need is met and that we have an abundance to give to every good work, to be generous and bless other people. Thank you for making that possible, Lord by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So men, go ahead and pass the offering buckets. How, how many are glad you're in church today? Did I already ask you that? We're gonna have a meal today after the church service. We got, um, I don't know what we all got. I think we got Sloppy Joes. I don't know, if I was Joe, I, I would be offended by that. I don't know, it's, that seems offensive to me, right? Or, you know, it's like uh, lazy boy chairs. That, that, I, I hate that chair. And, uh, but anyways, um, it's always something to be upset about. But um, one, one of the things I want to do this morning is I would like to, you know, like um, I titled this message, which we don't have on the screen because our screen is gone, but um, I titled this message, Happy Birthday, America. And uh, it's, it's its birthday. It's 244 years old. And uh, this documents that we signed, the, the Declaration of Independence, was actually signed uh, on this date by only two of the signers. 56 eventually signed it, but two of them signed it on this date. And it was, you know, it was voted on by everybody, ratified. But, um, and I just, I just thought it was amazing that if we could just stand for a moment one more time, and if we could pray for our nation. So if you could do that for me, just stand up. And, you know, I was thinking about this. When I was... When I grew up in church, and we grew up in a full gospel church, we said the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And then after the guy, we got done saying it, then we sang it. I don't know if you guys ever heard the singing version of it, but we, we, we recite it, and then we would, we would sing it every Sunday. And so I grew up from a little kid all the way up through teenage years singing or, or saying and singing the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And... Um, I hope I can still remember it because we haven't said it here a lot. But, you know, there's a few lines in it that are very important that I want you to think about our nation while we say this prayer together. And the things that I want you to think about is 
the idea that, you know, we want God's kingdom to come. We want God's will to be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. And uh, we, are, we, are, we are dependent upon God to give us our daily bread. We are, we are, it's necessary for us to forgive our debtors as, you know, people that have sinned against us. And um, it's important to forgive them. And to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And I think that's a big thing today is because it seems like there's a lot of things going on in our nation. And we need to be delivered from evil in any way, no matter what side you are on. I'm on I just want to be on God's side. And uh, whatever side that is, I want to find out what his side is. and I want to take his side. And... Um, and then it ends by saying, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. So do you think we could do it? We haven't done it for years here. H how do you think it would go? Think it would go good? Okay, let's try it, okay? Okay, so, Lord, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Lord, together, we just have prayed this prayer. We pray it over our nation, Lord. We ask you, God, that our only hope of making it another hundred years is with your grace and your blessing upon our nation. We, we pray, Lord, that you help us, help the leaders of our nation. God, they need your help. We just pray, God, that you give them wisdom, starting with the president all the way down through the Senate and the House and the Congress, Lord. Give every single one of them wisdom, Lord. We just pray that they'd have strength to do the right thing. Do what is right, Lord. We just thank you for that. And we just pray, God, that in, even in our state, officials, Lord, that you'd give every single one of them wisdom, Lord. You told us to pray for the leaders of our nation, that we could lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And we just declare right now that there will be peace in this land, that there'll be righteousness in this land, that there'll be justice in this land, that your kingdom will come here, Lord, and your will will be done in this place. We declare it now in Jesus' name. Everybody agree say, amen. 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 Praise God. Well, Thank you. God bless you. you. may be seated. So like I said, this is a happy birthday, America Day. And um, I, um, one of the things that we do at birthday times, we, we don't do it every birthday. We should probably, but we don't do it every birthday. But we, um, we try to kill the birthday person with kindness. And we try to take them out, you know, like kill them with kindness. And so what we do is we try to, we go around the room. We've done this many times. And we don't, but we don't do it every time, but we do it once in a while. And, uh, and we, tell, we tell the birthday person what we appreciate about them. And, uh, and, so, uh, and, and so sometimes, how many know this is true? It's easy to look at a, uh, a person and go, uh, I see your faults. I, I don't know why, but maybe it's just me, but I can walk into a room and, and the room can be amazing, but the, I see the one thing that's wrong, I, I, I see it right away. Do you guys, anybody else like that? And it's so easy. It, you know, it's easy to see faults. I just think that that's the truth. It's easy to see faults. It's like, you know, years ago they used to mine for gold. 
And, uh, and so when you go into a mine, you know, what, what they're looking for is, is not dirt. Because if they're looking for dirt, they're going to find dirt real fast. How many know dirt's not hard to find? I mean, dirt's everywhere. It's like find, trying to find a rock. You know, it's like, you know, it's like there are rocks everywhere. They're not special. But what they're looking for is they're looking for that gold. They're looking for that vein of gold. And when they find that vein of gold, they go, woo! And that's kind of what we're doing when we, when we try to kill each other with kindness, we, is we, we look past all the imperfections and all the shortcomings, and we try to see where, what, where the gold is. And we try to be honest, because flattery is an evil thing. Like we can't say to somebody, you, you wouldn't say this to me, you're the greatest preacher in the world. <laughs> Why would we say that? Because there are, there are a lot of better preachers than me. Well, I, nobody said anything. I, <laughs> I think you passed the test right there. You, you could have said, amen. But I mean, I know that. I mean, come on, I know that. But what I'm saying is, you know, somebody can say a compliment. They say, well, that was a pretty good word, you know. That was a pretty good word. That was a, it, it really spoke to me or something. Then I look at that, I go, that's a genuine compliment. That's not flattery. And so we try not to do flattery. We try to do genuine compliments. But the thing that we're always doing is we're looking, trying to look past all the dirt. You know, it's interesting. I never thought of this before, but I had a friend of mine, or he actually isn't a friend, but somebody I met one time, but in fact, I just met him one time. He doesn't even know me, and I, I hardly know him, but <laughs> I'm trying to be honest. <laughs> well, why'd you say friend? I don't know. It just slipped out. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, so this guy, um, I was listening to him one time, and he, um, it was Sean Boltz. Is that his name, Sean Boltz? Okay, I think so. Anyway, so I was listening to him. He said something I thought was really interesting, because for years, my uh, experience with prophets is that they, they can see dirt. You know, I see the sin in your soul, you know, and, and they, they can see that. And it's like, so a lot of times when people have sin in their life, they don't go see prophets because they don't want the sin exposed. But he said to me, or not to me, but he said, he said this online, but he said that prophets have, a, prophets have an ability, they're very perceptive. They have ability to see into people's lives. They see stuff into people's lives. And so sometimes they think, when they see something into somebody's life, they think that is the word of the Lord because they can, see, they can see issues. We'll just say it like that. They can see issues. But really, it's not that hard to see issues. I'm just letting that sink in. It's not that hard to see issues. Somebody goes, like my dad, you know, he's in heaven, but he used to tell me, I, don't, I never hired anybody to tell me what, what the problem is. He goes, anybody can figure out what the problem is. Even a five-year-old can figure out there's a problem here. I hired people to, to find solutions. I hired people to find solutions. And so this, this prophet said, when he sees dysfunction or he sees the storm, he goes, I don't say, there's a storm. He goes, I say, God, listen to this, this is powerful. God, what are you saying into the storm? And then he gets a word from the Lord to speak into the storm. And you know God's word, because God, the Bible says the God of hope, the God of all hope, the God of all hope. So if the word is hopeless, it's not from God because he's the God of all hope. 
Even like in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel had sinned so much, for, for decades, God warned them that bad things were coming. But even when God said, finally said, it's coming, the, the Babylonians are coming. But even in that, God would say, remember that verse? We used to sing it as a song. It said, this thing I remember, this is what the prophet said, in the midst of all this, he goes, this thing I remember, and that is the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to the end. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He goes, even in the midst of all this, one thing I remember, God's steadfast love never comes to an end. His mercies are new every single morning. Isn't that powerful? And so the idea here is that when we come to a place like this, it's so easy to see faults. And what we want to do is we want to see the good. We want to see the good in people, and we definitely want to see the good in our nation. Because this is not, definitely not a perfect nation because there are people in it. <laughs> it could be a perfect nation if there was no people. This could be a perfect church if there was no people. This could be a perfect family if there was no people. This, everything could be perfect if there were no people. But the problem is there are people. You know, and so the moment we have people, we have imperfections. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to look past the imperfections, and we're trying to call out. I heard a guy say one time, he said, he said, a true friend is somebody, when you're acting like a jerk, looks past that and calls out the king that's in you, the, calls out greatness that's inside of you. Amen. And I think that's true. I think that, uh, because I believe this nation is an exceptional nation, not a perfect nation, certainly has challenges, certainly has to change, but it's, a, but it's a great nation. It's exceptional. You know, years ago, I was on a mission trip. This is the early 90s. I was on a mission trip to Ukraine. And what we had done, what we, what we did was we traveled by uh, Ukrainian train. I got to put that in there. Because it's a third world country. Ukraine at that time in the 90s was a third world country, basically. And so we traveled by Ukrainian train from city to city. We held meetings. But so what we did was every time we would stop at a, for a connecting train at a, at a station, we'd pass out tracks. And Kenneth Copeland was the only one ministry that would give us free tracks. We asked, I can't tell you all the ministries we asked because we needed hundreds of thousands of tracks. He was the only ministry that gave us free gospel tracks. So I just, when people trash him, I just go, I don't like that. Thank you for your enthusiasm. But anyway, so... Uh, but anyway, so we'd pass out tracks. We would be at this train station, we'd pass out tracks. And I didn't notice this, but every once in a while, I'd give somebody a track, and they would always take them. I think there was like one person that didn't. And they'd always take them, and then they would, once in a while, they would say, in, in English, they would say, thank you. Well, I'm used to hearing thank you when somebody, you give somebody something. So I didn't think anything about it, but the interpreter finally said to me, the interpreter said, see, they know you're an American. And I go, how do they know I'm American? Because I, I wasn't dressed like an American. I mean, I just had jeans on and a T-shirt. And I didn't have a, you know, I had no big cross on or I had nothing. You would not look at me and say, there's an American. And he goes, they know you're American. And then I said, well, how do they know I'm an American? They said, oh, you can tell, you can spot Americans anywhere. I said, how is that? He said, Americans, because this is what he told me. I had never heard this before. He said, Americans, because they live in a free society, they walk around, they have their head up, 
There's a degree of optimism about them. There's a degree of hope. There's a degree of, of, of you know, we, we're going to make this. It's going to work out. There's a degree of we can, we can accomplish this. There's a degree of hopefulness about them. And it emanates from them when they, as they walk around. It just comes out of them. I said, really? And so then I started to look. I don't know. My wife tells me I'm not very observant. But I started to look at the people that lived, were living under communism. Now, this is back in the early 90s. It's changed a lot in 30 years. But back in the early 90s, all of a sudden I noticed, you know, they kind of like shuffle. They had their head down. And, they had, and I look at their faces and they had like despair upon their faces. Because that was never the environment that God wanted people to live in. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Because really, when you think about freedom, freedom is not man's gift. It's God's gift. All man did was man figured it out one day. Actually, I told you about this. In all of our documents, our founding documents were, found, were signed in the city of Philadelphia. I think most of you know that, right? It's funny how few people know our history. But they were all signed in, in Philadelphia. I told you this also, that what makes that significant is Philadelphia was a Quaker city and Pennsylvania is a Quaker state. And Quaker is, remember the Quaker oatmeal, you know, the Quaker guy on there, you know, that's not really a Quaker. I guess it is a Quaker. I don't know if it's a Quaker or not, but. But Quakers were unique people. They were, it's a religious organization. I told you about this. And they got their name because when the Holy Spirit would move upon them, they would shake, they would quake. So that's how they got their name. They called themselves the Society of Friends. They're peaceful type people. But, but the founder of that movement received by revelation, he received by revelation from God certain truths that were so radical in their day. And the truths were things like all men are created equal. Uh, that Everyone had the right to practice religious freedom, practice serving God or worshiping God as they chose to or if they didn't want to. Because all the countries that they had come from, they experienced religious persecution. Because, for example, whatever the state religion was, that's what you were. I told you this before. So in other words, like even up until a few decades ago, I, I don't know if it's still true today, I know a few decades ago it was, if you were born in Norway, which I'm Norwegian, but if you were born in Norway, you were a Lutheran. You go, I don't want to be a Lutheran. No, it doesn't matter. You're a Lutheran. And the government supported the church. And, and there was a lot, a lot of countries that were like that. England was like, a lot of them were like that. They imposed their religion on the people. And the Quakers go, no, I don't want that. People should have the freedom to, to worship as they see fit or the freedom not to worship. And that was a Quaker belief. So then when you go to the, our Declaration of Independence, one of the opening phrases that's very famous, well-known, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. See, we don't realize how radical that is. We say, well, we hear it all the time, so we think, well, of course it's true. But it's radical. In the day, it was so radical because they had class distinctions. You know, you were, if you were born in a certain class, you could never move up to another class. You were stuck there, and you should know your place, and you, were, you couldn't move up. And so they come along and say, all men are created equal. 
And they're endowed by their creator. They're endowed by who? Their creator. He said this is self-evident that they're endowed by their creator, God, their creator, God, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what he's saying to them basically is that they have freedom of choice, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom to move, to move where you want, live where you want, move up the, the scale if you want, freedom. But how many know that freedom is kind of a, it's kind of a chancy thing, really, when you think about it. They call it the great experiment. And uh, it's, a, it's a chancy thing because when you give people freedom, you don't, they can go crazy. How many know that's true? That's why one of the founding fathers, I can't remember which one it was, but he said that, that our system of government only works for a moral, a religious and moral people. Once you lose morality, once you lose religion, I hate to use the word religion, I almost choke on it, but once you lose that, what happens is you, so, you sort of create all kinds of wild ideas and situations. But let me talk for just a few minutes here. They got the big flag in front of the clock, and I watch the clock once in a while. But anyway, so, man, that flag's big. But anyways... <clears throat> But I want to talk about a philosophy that is, is kind of permeating our culture that is really will harm individuals and will harm our nation. And, um, and that is the philosophy of victimization. Victimization, a victimization culture, a culture of victimization. And it starts really on the college campuses and it's promoted there. Uh, years ago, back in the 90s, I read this book by, a, it wasn't a Christian man, it was a newspaper guy. He wrote this article, or this book, it was entitled America, A Nation of Victims. And in it, the author went through and described the, this, man, this victimhood mentality that's trying to take hold in our nation. And he used many ridiculous court cases to prove his point. Now listen to these. Now this is an example. He had like, must have had 50 of them. But here's a couple examples. This is a literal court case. The overweight man that was suing McDonald's because the booze were too small. I'm not making this up. And what it was saying to him, the fact that the booze were too small, it was saying to him, McDonald's was saying, you're fat. And so he was a victim. He was being victimized by McDonald's and he brought a lawsuit against it. Here was another one. This is an actual court case. The couple that sued this, or this person that sued this couple because they were riding on a bicycle built for two. And the man was in the front seat and the woman was in the back seat. And they drove by this lady and she sued the couple because she said, that that speaks to me of a male-dominated society that has pushed me down all my life. And so he actually brought a lawsuit to sue that couple. Here's another one. I'll just give you three. That's enough. About the kid who stole someone's car and crashed it and got hurt. And so the parents of the kid sued the owners of the car because they didn't lock the car, thus tempting their son 
I, I can't remember if they won or not, but and I'm just saying that the list goes on and on. It's like, are you kidding me? And some people say, well, what's so wrong with this? Because here's the thing, is that we're doing something to people that we're actually destroying them. Because we don't understand that there's always injustice. How many know this is true? There's always injustices in a world. I mean, you're never going to make it through this life without experiencing some injustice, some pain, some suffering. Now, I haven't suffered what a lot of people have suffered. I haven't. I had two parents that loved me. They, they brought me to church, which wasn't always what I wanted to do, but they made me go to church anyways. And I wasn't always, but I had, my mother and father loved me. And I know that makes me, you know, not know what it's like to grow up in a broken home or to grow up with maybe an abusive uh, parent or something. I don't know what that's like. So I don't have an experience with that kind of pain. And so I realize that there is, there is true victimization in our culture. There is true victimization. But, but listen, let me just say this to you. Victimization does not justify an identity as a victim. See, even though I've had bad things done to me, I refuse to accept the label that I'm a victim. And every single one of us, we have to get this idea in our head that we are not victims, but that we are victors. How I slid slid that in. Not victims, we're victors. Don't call the whamulins. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. Amen. But here's the thing, is that when we we, uh, accept this, it's basically an excuse It's an excuse for why we can't succeed, why we can't make it. It's an excuse for why we can't make it. And so what happens then, it's like, now I don't have to do anything because I can't do anything because I'm a victim. And so it's convenient, but it's not what God wants. You know, there's an interesting verse. See, when I grew up, when I grew up, we thought it was virtuous to develop thick skin. Do you guys remember, see, I'm older. <laughs> and, you know, when we went to school, I mean, I mean, it was brutal. I mean, you guys, come on, you older, older people, you remember it? I mean, bullies, every other person was a bully. It was a brutal environment. And it was like, eat or be eaten. It was, was kind of like that, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm probably overstating it, but, and then the bus ride home, the bus ride home was like a horror show, horror TV show. It was awful. Now, and, and so, but, but, but we, were, we were taught, like, develop some thick skin, not to be cold-hearted or to be heartless or indifferent, but we're, we were taught, don't let the weaknesses of the other people, because that's what it is. Bullies are weak people. Don't let the weaknesses of other people keep you from moving forward. Every single one in this room, you've been victimized. But that doesn't mean you're a victim. In the minute you accept that label, I'm a victim, you're going to stop growing. And that's a terrible thing because your life is precious. You have incredible abilities inside of you, incredible talents, incredible things that God has in store for you but you're going to have to learn to embrace adversity. Amen? Amen. So the idea that 
I'm defined by what others say is not true. No one can hold me back. And nothing that they do or say can define me. But I'm responsible for, I'm not responsible for how they act. I'm responsible by how I respond. And so Paul had this, had this thing about being self-reliant. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Sorry we don't have the verses on the screen. But in, in Philippians chapter 4, 11 and 12, Paul said this. He said, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content in any circumstance. The word content means to be self-sufficient, independent of people's opinions, independent of, of, of situation. I've learned to be independent of the situation. I've learned that. I can live independent of any situation, every situation I get into. Then he goes on, he said, I've experienced times of need and times of abundance. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment whether I go, I go satisfied or hungry, have plenty or nothing. It's interesting, this one word here where he said, I have learned, I have experienced time, I have learned the secret. That actually means I have been discipled. This is what that word means in the Greek. I have been discipled into the mystery. That's what that word means. Paul said, I've been, I have been discipled into the mystery. That means when I get in a situation, I know exactly what to do. I know what to do in this situation. He said, another, I know exactly what to do in this situation. And so he said, I've been discipled into the, into, into the mysteries of how to activate spiritual laws to rise above every situation and to come forth as a victor and not a victim. Yeah. I'm not being victimized by lack or I'm not being victimized by this person. And when you think about Paul's life, it's pretty amazing what, he, what the guy went through. I used to think one time I was, you know, how many know that sometimes if you're going through trouble or you're, it's easy to become self, self-focused and you have a pity party, but nobody shows up. You throw a pity party, invite a bunch of people, nobody shows up, which just victimizes you all over again, right? And so I was going through something and I thought, well, maybe I should read my Bible. That's what I thought to myself. I should probably read my Bible. I don't know why, but I got to this point where Paul was talking about what he went through. And I, he's like, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter, is it 2 Corinthians chapter 10 or 12? And he, so he's been beaten with, rod, rod, beaten with rods several times. He was whipped. He was stoned, not stoned like, you're not like that, but. <laughs> he was persecuted. He was lied about. He was shipwrecked, floating around in the deep with sharks. I had the shark part. Sharks floating around about him. Snake bit. Cities rioted because of him. Rioted cities rioted because of him. He was hated. He was hunted. He was despised. He was victimized. But then he goes like this. But in all these things, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going, you are? I mean, how are you more than a conqueror? I mean, what? In what, you know, what planet are you more than a conqueror? But he just rejected the idea that he's, not, he's a victim. See, when I accept victimhood status, I'm not saying that I have not experienced some things that victimize me. But when I accept that status as an identity, I'm no longer responsible for my actions. 
In my all, everything, every dysfunction I do, every action, I'm justified. Amen. And I can't do anything because I'm a victim. And God wants us to move beyond that. Amen. I remember uh, I, I heard this. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, he said, it seems like, let me read it. I'll read the quote. It says, this, this like precious faith is for all. This is this Smith Wigglesworth. But there may be some hindrances to your life that God will have to deal with. Some hindrances that God will have to deal with. It seems to me as if I had a thousand road engines come over my life to break me up like a potter's vessel. There is no other way into the deep things of God, this is still Wigglesworth, but a broken spirit. There's no other way into the power of God. God will do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think for us when he, when he can bring, it, bring us to a place where we can say with Paul, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He just said that you have to go through adversity. You have to go through things. You can't be a great person in God unless you have faced adversity. I didn't think it would get real excited and you say, oh, amen, brother. <laughs> hear that again. But if you can't be a great person in God unless you face some adversity. Unless you have suffered, been banged around, tested, fall back, fall down, got up again and kept going. You can never be a great person in God. Adversity is the way to greatness. And we have to learn to overcome adversity. I mean, if you think about this, adversity is needed in all of life. They say that, you know, with these astronauts that are in weightlessness for a long time, it affects their bones because their bones need that adversity. Muscles, if you want your muscles to be huge like mine. <laughs> Why did you laugh? <laughs> muscles need adversity. They need tension away from them for them to grow and get stronger. How many know that character needs adversity to be tested and proven? Character needs adversity. Your faith to grow, it needs adversity. You know, they did this experiment one time where they wanted to create a perfect environment for, for plants. And so they developed this greenhouse and they put these trees in this greenhouse. And for years, these trees, man, they just flourished and they grew big and, and they just, it was awesome. It's wonderful. And then all of a sudden the trees started falling over. The trees were never influenced, they were never affected by the wind, and they just started falling over. And they're trying to figure out what happened. And then when they examined the trees, they found out that the roots never developed because it takes adversity for your roots to develop. How many know that your immune system needs exposure to germs? So let me just bless you right now. <coughs> right? The more exposure you are to germs, the more your immune system grows to ward off diseases. Now listen to this one. This is going to be a little tense, this next one I'm going to say. Children need adversity. <laughs> and opposition to develop. This is going to hurt a little bit. Sit, sit, sit still. Helicopter parents See, I didn't think that would go over big. <laughs> you know what helicopter parents are? They're the ones that are always hovering. They're always hovering. Where are they? Not far. They're not far away. They're hovering. 
They're always hovering, ready to pounce and protect their kids from all harm and danger. Helicopter parents actually are not doing their kids any service because they're not actually being able to emotionally, mentally, and spiritually develop. See, here's the idea. You can't wrap them in bubble wrap and send them out. They have to experience things. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be empathetic. Is that how you say that word? Empathetic? empathetic? Is that the right word? Have empathy. Because like I said, I don't, I don't know what everybody has gone through. I don't know what it's like. I can only tell you what I, I can relate to what I've gone through. And I can have empathy and I can feel sorrow. But what I'm talking about here is not that there's nothing wrong and there's no victimization. What I'm talking about here is the tag of victimhood, which is debilitating. Because it keeps people from growing. And as I close this message, are you guys still with me? As I close this message, I want you to think about something for a minute. See, I, I want to reject the victimization tag. I want to reject it. I want to eject, reject the victimization identity. You might say, well, it's easy for you to do it. I don't think, I think it's easy for anybody to do it if they put their will and mind to it. You know, it's interesting, in Genesis chapter 1, I don't know why this verse came to me. It's a very well-known verse. It's the first three verses of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says this, Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the face of the watery deep. In other words, what he's saying here is that the earth was without form and void. The earth, when you looked at the earth at that time, it was a mess. It was totally chaotic. It was a complete mess. And sometimes, I read that sometimes, I think that's sometimes how our life is. And we can, just, we can just be content with it being a mess, but the next thing that happened, it says the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. That means the Spirit of God is moving over the surface of your life right now. And then the next thing that happened was it said, God said, let there be light. So there was darkness, and God spoke opposite to what he saw. He spoke into the darkness. He said, light! And all of a sudden, light came. Can you imagine if the earth would have said, no, no, I don't want, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Get away from me. I, I like this chaos. I like this. I like to be without definition. I like to be in this chaotic situation. I like to be this, in this chaos. I don't want anything else. No, we, if you're in chaos, if you have a lack of peace, if you have a lack of joy, if there is tension, if there is a frustration in your life, you want it to end. Everyone wants it to end. You want the greatest thing that happens, I pray for people, is let there be definition. Let your life have definition. If I can see clearly, I can, I can know what I'm supposed to be. I can know what I'm supposed to do. But if I can't see clearly, if there's no definition, my life will be this kind of this, I don't want to say blob. That sounds, that sounds offensive. I don't want to victimize anybody. But not you guys, but I mean online. But anyways, but, uh, but it's, like, it's like this, I'm just this thing going through life. And it's, when you open me up, it's all like, right? I don't want to be that way. I want to be like, I want, I want God, I want God to go, light be. And I want all of a sudden, boom, I want to be a certain definition. I want to become defined. I want to, I want to see clearly. 
Because if I can see clearly, I know who I am then. I know who I am, and I know the direction that I'm supposed to go in. And it's not like, and then as, as you look at it, it wasn't just one time God said, but over and over and God said, and God said, and every time God said, the void and the confusion and all the turmoil began to come into line with what God said. And that is really a picture of our life. And I didn't make this up. Paul says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, the God who said light shine in darkness is shining in our heart to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so we can't let society, we can't let other people, their reactions to us, define us. I mean, we, we, we have broken people around us all the time. And they're hurting and hurt people hurt people. And we have to be careful how we allow what they say and what they do affect who we are. Let's all stand together. What I want to do is I want to hear God's voice in the midst of all this. When I hear God's voice, first of all, there's clarity. I see something. I begin to see clearly. When I hear God's voice, there, there becomes definition. Things take shape. Things become clear. I start seeing roots of things, start seeing why this is going on, why that's going on. I start seeing clearly. Otherwise, my life will remain in this dark, chaotic, confused, undefined, messed up situation. And you can't, you can't end up in that situation. There's some of you here that are in that situation. And you can't end up at your appointed place because God appointed a place for you. You know, God doesn't, I don't think God ordains everything that happens, but he uses everything that happens. And there's, there is a place for you. There is an ordained place for you in your life that God has ordained. I want to bring you to that place. I heard this guy say one time, he said, when heaven decides to confer upon somebody an office, a calling, a ministry, that person goes through things. Isn't that good news? That person goes through things, and the things that he goes through prepares him because it forces him, listen to this, it forces him into a, a great, it should force him into a greater intimacy. Amen. A greater intimacy that he will need in that new position, in that new office, in that new place. He will need that greater intimacy that that difficulty is pushing him into. He will need that to stand in that new place. So isn't that wonderful to know? And so don't let the situation victimize you, but let the situation. I'm trying to think of a word that rhymes with victimize. Glorify you. <laughs> or what, is it, what does it mean when you, when you get real tenacious? Tenacious eyes you. fortify you, whatever, you get the point so that you move to another place. God is, God is on your side. All the confusion, all the turmoil 
is not from God. God is, God is wanting to bring order. God is wanting to bring design, definition. And some of us, we just need to let, we need to start hearing God's voice. So let's close our eyes just for a minute before we sing this song and then I'm going to have a pray together. Dear, dear Lord Jesus, let's just close our eyes right now. Lord, we just pray in this place that you will speak, that you will speak, Lord. Speak into, speak into areas of darkness and confusion, Lord. Don't let one person under the sound of my voice in this room or online, don't let one person throw their life away. Don't let one person, God, accept that victimization tag. But let them rise up. Hear your voice. Totally, totally get a revelation of who they are. Let clarification come. Let definition come, Lord. God, let it be so clear. We just speak peace to the storm, Lord. We just speak peace to the storm that's in their soul right now. Just pray, God, that there be incredible peace right now. Credible clarity. Holy Spirit, bring clarity. Bring the word of the Lord to them right now in Jesus' name. Let's sing this song. Can you sing this song?
You know, this verse says, Jesus said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. I know we always look at that as being heaven. And I thank God for heaven. And I know he's prepared a place for us in heaven. But there is a place in redemption and in the things of God that he has prepared for you. And he is trying to bring you into that place. But you have to respond right in situations. You cannot allow yourself to become victimized. Amen? Paul said, I have become, I am discipled into the mysteries. In other words, I know what to do. In this situation, I know exactly what to do. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will speak. He will speak life. I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for here. So we're going to have some prayer counselors. Please come forward. If you need prayer for anything, maybe that what I spoke about, that, that chaos and that you feel like my life is chaotic. There's no definition. There's no sense of, uh, you know, being defined. I want you to just let these people pray for you. Don't leave today without being prayed for. God has prepared a place for you. And don't let anything keep you from that place. It's that place he prepared, he spent, a, he spent everything, gave everything that you could have that place. And don't let that place get away from you. Amen. We have food in the back. We have great food, great food. Don't let the name Sloppy Joe throw you. Um, but we got that back there. We're going to have a picnic, a little bit of celebration. I think they got some other stuff planned, but please join us. So I'll just pray. Lord, thank you for the food. Thank you for our fellowship together. Thank you that you love us and you love the people of the earth. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today so mightily. Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everybody. If you need prayer, please come forward. And we'll meet you in the back for food. God bless.